Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen to the podcast. Welcome. It is a bright, dark winter morning in Munich. We might actually be getting some winter temperatures here towards the close of winter, or what I always thought was the close of winter as an Arizonan. It is again early morning, so I have my coffee and my tea, not coffee, water and my tea here with me. I am so grateful to be joining you all today, and I hope that this discussion of where to start reading comes in handy for the beginning of the new year, which is still very young, right? We're only 17 days into the new year. That's pretty young in terms of the year. And I hope that you can gain some reflection or insight into how you read, how you choose what you read, and I hope also to bring some of my wealth of personal experience with reading to the table here to exemplify and hopefully personalize the reading commentary today. This episode stems from a reflection that I did close to the beginning of this year when I asked myself, what have I read and how have I read it? And also, what have I not read in the past year? And then the follow-up question I think naturally is, what do I want to read this year and how is that different from how my reading habits have been accumulating in the past year? I think the biggest thing for me is still that shelf of unread books and I'm not sure how it is with all of you if you also have a shelf or several shelves or a desk drawer of unread books but for me certainly I have an entire shelf of unread books. I think it's only two shelves now. I've gotten through a good piece of it but at the same time, there's that ideal reader in me um, where I almost have this random feeling sometimes to go to that shelf and pick out just a random book that I've ideally uh, picked out for myself in the past year or years. I do clean out that shelf regularly, so it's not like I'm stockpiling unread books that I'm never going to read. I do have the intention of reading them, my goal, and my thoughts are around that shelf. If I'm not going to read that book within the next two years, then I'm not going to keep it. So there is sort of a method to the madness with that unread shelf, but I think that's still my most glaring point with regard to reading that I would like to change. I would like to read more from that shelf and not go out to the bookstore or bookstores and choose what's on their shelf because usually the only difference is that it's staged better than in my personal library. In terms of the question, what have I read? That's a pretty easy question for me to answer as I do compile my reading data and analyze it every year. 
Um, I read a lot less memoir than I normally do, and I honestly didn't hurt from that. I really enjoyed reading a little bit more fiction this year, just classic, older fiction. I didn't read as many contemporary books this year either. Part of that was because of all my travel in the summer, um, which took a good part of my year of reading. Uh, I won't say away from me, but it definitely um, forced me to substitute my time towards other things, especially regarding the travel uh, and the mobility as well. I had my Kindle with me, but I was only reading sparingly on it. So I was mostly, honestly, just picking up a paperback at the airport, at a bookstore in the town I was in, and reading it voraciously in one or two days, and then not reading for a while, and doing other touristy things, hikes, tours, um, my research, of course. So all of that to say, there was definitely, again, this sense of last year I did read but the way that I read was forced to be different and that's okay and I learned a lot from those experiences traveling with my hunger for books. And what do I want to read other than the books on my unread shelf? I do want to be more intentional about the different series that we do on the podcast. I think it really behooves me as a content creator to, gosh, should I just call myself a content creator? Um, it really behooves me as a creative, I'll put it that way, to put my best foot forward. And when I'm not proactively planning and reviewing what I want to do for the show and in, in a sense what I want a chunk some sort of you know 20-30% of my personal reading to look like when I'm not planning that out there's less intention going into the content so that's something that I am self-aware about and do want to change and to make small steps towards improvement in the next year that might mean doing a Dostoevsky or a Russian lit series um, I would love to read more Nabokov. Um, I've, uh, of course, read Lolita, um, which is a highly disturbing book, but I think part of the reason that it's so disturbing is because it's so well-written. Um, it's like the movie The Menu. <laughs> I saw it last night, and I saw it purely because my mother saw it in theaters, and she thought it was so disturbing that she continued to talk about it. Even now, she'll call me and she'll be like, Mackenzie, that, <laughs> that movie was so disturbing. And I just thought that only a movie that was powerful could have left such an impact on her. Um, and I saw it, I didn't think it was scary or disturbing, I just thought it was funny. So, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it's sort of a, it's a comedy horror. There was a movie a couple years ago called Deer Skin that came out. I think the director was either French or from the Netherlands, maybe. Um, they do a lot of these kind of comedy horror films. Um, and Deerskin, sort of like, the style is very similar to the menu, but the premise is just ridiculous. It's sort of like this slasher film where this main character falls in love with his deerskin jacket and then decides that nobody else can wear a jacket and he murders everyone he sees with a jacket on um 
And the menu is sort of similar. They, I won't spoil it for those of you who want to watch it still, but um, just the way that it's done is really interesting. It's following a single meal and it's one of those fancy Michelin meals. You know how it is. Um, if you've ever done a Michelin star um, meal or like eaten one, you know that there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and things that go into the food there. And so there's a lot of parodying of what's on the plates. There's um, sort of these dramatic performances in between the courses. Um, I love in particular the title cards that come up to introduce each course. I think they're hilarious. Um, it's just, you know, it's a riff on food and food culture. Um, and I thought that was just really smartly done. So enough about the menu, highly recommend it. Um, it is disturbing in the sense that it's a horror movie. There are deaths, there are dramatic imagery, there's hysteria, there's terror. It's a slasher film. So, you know, you, you gotta come with that bucket of expectations already filled. Um, but at the same time, I think once you kind of know a little bit about it um, and know what to expect, there's it leaves room for all of that extra comedy factor, the commentary on society, all of that. And the two lead actors are incredible. Um, so yeah, I would highly recommend the film all around. So let's get back to our topic at hand. In terms of this reflection, I want you all to ask yourselves these questions, the same ones. What have I read and how? Did I read it very quickly? Did I read it over a period of 90 months? I know I've been there in both scenarios. And also what, I have, I, what have I not read? In the past, is that important to me? For example, I don't read a lot of historical books. It's very, very seldom. I have a couple books um, on the history of government that I've read that I find very interesting, but there's not a lot of parts of history that I would go to a book to read, like a biography or something like that. Um, so, you know, that's a point of reflection. Do you care about the things that you've read? Do you care about the things that you've not read? I read a lot of recommendations from friends this past year and um, I'm gonna vet those recommendations a little more because I didn't enjoy most of them, um, to be brutally honest. So, you know, there's a give and a take uh, and I think it's important to reflect on that. Also, the question, what do I want to read, right? So is there anything new or different? Is there a book coming out this year or in the next month or did a book come out last year that you think, yeah, I'd really like to read that. After this reflection stage, there's what I would like to call the setup stage. So figuring out, first of all, a reasonable goal, an achievable goal within your time and your budget limitations, within your realm of curiosity and interest about reading. You may want to be, you may want to want to be the kind of person who reads a book a week, but maybe you're not that person. You have to take small steps to get there and that's okay. I also, I did it in a sort of cold turkey type of way <laughs> where, you know, in 2016, I woke up and I sort of said, I'm going to read a book a week. I think I started in November or December of 2015 even. 
just reading more and becoming the type of person who brought a book to my lunch hour or read in between breaks in class, things like that. So, you know, there's that sort of identity adjustment that does need to happen in order to make these more substantial changes with regard to your reading habits. But with regard to setting up a reasonable goal, what I would like to suggest is, let's say you want to read a book a month in 2023, very, very reasonable goal. Um, what I would do is add 10 days to that. So let's say you're only going to read maybe 9 or 10 books in 2021. Um the reason why I would add that extra wiggle room is because in past experience, if I don't make one of the months personally, then that's going to set me back in terms of my motivation to read. And that's one of your most important qualities and tools that you can use to actually read more is your motivation. So I think setting up your goal in a way that's going to allow you an extra buffer um, it's going to be really, really great. So let's just take another example. If you want to read a book every two weeks, I would just add an extra week. Say I'm going to read a book every three weeks. This also gives you room for longer books. So let's say you want to take a book by Dostoevsky or Tolstoy or Dickens or David Foster Wallace. Some of his books are pretty long, <laughs> you know, or Mirakami. You want to read 10Q84 then that does ex allow you and afford you that extra wiggle room to accommodate those bigger books and those longer reads. Sometimes you don't have as much time one week or sometimes you don't have as much interest in the book you've selected that one week or two weeks and then you decide finally, okay, this third week I'm going to read it, then that's a really good strategy for you to use your time and to manage your time in the best way that's going to get you towards this goal of reading more. If you want to do cold turkey like I did, of course, go for it. It does require a major identity change and it does require that you bring a book everywhere. Um, but that is also an effective strategy um, from my experience. The second part of this setup is to find a book, obviously, to find somewhere to start. And that's why this podcast is called Where to Start. It's to find that first book that you're going to read for this new reading goal, a book that interests you. So I would highly recommend if you don't already have a book in mind, right? Some people, they have, you know, they store their reading list on their Amazon cart or in Goodreads or something. If you have a good sense of what you'd like to read first, then go for it. Get that book. Just pull the trigger. You have permission, um, as long as it's in your budget, of course. And I would also say if you don't have a book in mind or if you're open to finding another book, um, then go to a bookstore. <laughs> that's I mean, that's obvious, but it's um, a really important step because you're going to be in... It's sort of like... When you change your identity, you also need to accommodate that socially. So, right, like the classic example um, is if you're an alcoholic, don't go into a bar. We're going to reverse engineer that situation with reading and say, if you want to be a reader, one way is to socialize yourself in bookstores. 
right? So it doesn't mean going to a bookstore every single week or every single day. It just means that the bookstore is your friend now that you're a reader, right? The bookstore is a one other tool, right? So the Kindle could be a tool, audiobooks could be a tool, book clubs or book circles. I'm actually about to join one in Munich. Um, those are tools for you as a reader um, and it behooves you to use those wisely. So um, go to a bookstore. <laughs> That's my recommendation. If you want to start reading, go to a bookstore, um, look around. The way that bookstores are set up is that the first sort of, there's like the first table. So Barnes and Noble and sort of the major change are set up a little bit differently. They usually have more than one table, but in any sort of any bookstore, including Barnes and Nobles, this kind of applies there too. There's going to be a table right when you walk in of the newer reads, right? So in Barnes and Noble, sometimes it's like a whole series of shelves and it's like right there once you walk in. The books on the tables are the newer hardcover books. They are going to be the most expensive books. So you're going to look for anywhere between 15 $35, like there's a wide range, I know, but it depends on the book, it depends on the binding of the publisher and the author. So take that as you will, they can be expensive, but yeah, those are generally going to be the hottest off the press, most expensive books in the bookstore. They put them right there, obviously, so they're eye catching, so that you go up to that table first and see what's new, see what's going on in the literary world. Um, and then there are some themed tables sometimes, like at Barnes & Noble, for example, or um, if you go to Hugendube in Germany, Thalia as well, um, they're going to have those kind of themed tables around themes like spirituality, themes like romance fiction, things like teen fiction. So you might want to, if you say, okay, I want to read more romance books this year, or if you want to say, I want to read more contemporary fiction this year, go to that corresponding table. It's going to be a lot easier for you to get at least a starting point. From there, I typically read the first page and a half. Um, I know that's like a really arbitrary number. Um, for me, the first page isn't enough because usually the first page is only half a page, first of all. And secondly, I like to get myself into the style and the tone of the book a little more um, and my rule of thumb is if during the first page first page and a half your mind starts to wander it's not the book for you right now that might mean that you take a picture of the cover and you say okay when I'm postured to read this book or like emotionally or situationally or whatever I'm gonna read it um, there's a lot of books um, Stephanie Robel, um, uh, the author of Darling Rose Gold, uh, her latest book, I had to take a sort of <laughs> mental note of when I first saw it in the bookstore and I ended up buying it a couple months after I first saw it. And it was one of those situations where I thought, okay, um, I, I know I'm going to read this book and soon, I just don't think that it's the right book for me. And that is so much of reading, at least for me, is that the books have to meet you at the right place and the right time in order to impact you. Um, another example is Milan Kundera's Life is Elsewhere. Um, that was probably, if not my favorite book from last year, in the top three for sure. Um, it was a hugely impactful book for me to read. I really enjoyed it. And 
Um, I ended up reading that in Prague, which is, you know, Milan Kundera was an expat, but he was originally from Czech Republic and wrote in a different language other than Czech, I think French uh, originally, maybe. Um, but anyway, you know, kind of being in Prague and being surrounded by um, some of the culture that he was inundated in as a child that really impacted me while I was reading um and I got to read that at Prague coffee shops and I thought oh my gosh how cool this lush prose amazing plot and character and I'm in Prague so it was one of, one of those moments where the book met me at the exact right place and time to read it other helpful hints I can give you at the bookstore. Have a number of books in mind that you're going to read. If you're like me or going to buy, if you're like me, you need to come in with a shopping list. Um, otherwise, you're going to leave with three books and two of them you won't touch for a year. And one of you, uh, one of them, if you're a minimalist like me, you will get rid of <laughs> within that year. So, um, you know, that's something that I always do now is I go into the bookstore and I have a set shopping list that I'm going to get. So for example, I might have two books on my list um, for the next two weeks and one is for the podcast. So I already know what I'm getting. And the second one is, you know, up to me, but I might have, for example, a genre in mind or an author in mind. I've been really, um, searching out books from authors like Abbas Kedar. Um, lately, I just have been really drawn to sort of the, the humorous maybe aspect. It's, he writes, a, he wrote an, a Bildungsroman um, called, I think in English the translation is The Village Indian. So, you know, I really, I've been drawn to that sort of Bildungsroman kind of scenario recently. Um, William Lovell, another, you know, example um, of a Bildungsroman. Uh, Goethe's Werther, also another, you know, so these kind of novels that, you know, sometimes I recognize that I want to read within a theme and so I just let myself, you know, I have that list. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a Bildungsroman and I'm going to get this other book for the podcast. I might order the podcast book beforehand or something. So I'm not shopping around at the same time. Um, but main point here, come with a list. It's going to really help you if you're like me, you get a little distracted in bookstores and it helps prevent leaving with more than you intended. couple of tips to round out the episode. The first one is read every day. I know this sounds really, really basic, but aside from that identity change, you need to put your actions toward the identity that you're creating for yourself as a reader. So um, I always say everyone has time before bed. There's always, I don't know if I've met a person who doesn't, you know, have a minute like in their bathroom while they're brushing their teeth, they could do it if they are really pushed for time before bed. But um, that time before bed is really crucial. I sometimes read a page or two pages before I'm just zonked out, <laughs> you know? So it just, it depends on you, but that time before bed has been really invaluable to me over the years. I would also suggest bringing a book with you um, for me, that often means having an audiobook on my phone. Uh, we're talking on Patreon this month about alternative reading methods, including audiobooks and Kindle. So if you want to hear a little more about my philosophy about that, go to Patreon. We will be talking about it. 
but I digress. Bring the book with you, bring a Kindle with you, bring your hardcover with you. I'm reading Martin Chuzzlewit right now, so it's kind of difficult um, <laughs> for me to bring that with me if I have a full bag already, but nevertheless, I do my best to bring a book with me. Um, and I would say also there's a give and a take with reading. So if you are a big podcasting person, if you're a big film person, that might mean giving up a podcast a week or finding a film that's an hour and 40 minutes as opposed to two hours and 10 minutes and using that extra 30 minute window to read. Uh, these are kind of mundane things, but they really do help in terms of getting you to that next step when it comes to reading and reading every day. Another thing, keep the long-term in mind, right? So how does reading help you become the person you would like to become? Also, in terms of long-term goal setting, I find that really helpful. So for me, a couple long-term goals with my reading. Um, I want to read Joyce's Ulysses, Faulkner's Absalom, Absalom. Uh, and I want to read a certain number of books per year. That definitely depends on the year, changes on the year, um, right? So, you know, there's kind of these other long-term considerations that, at least for me, really help with the day-to-day -day slog. Sometimes, like, for example, the beginning of Martin Chuzzlewit is really, really slow. So it helps me keep the books that I'm reading in context and say, okay, this is one of what 60 books that I might read this year. Um, I can certainly get through a slow intro <laughs> or, you know, this is a book that's complicated and dense and it's going to help me one day get through Joyce's Ulysses or Absalom, Absalom, let's read, you know? So there's that kind of uh, contextuality that I think really helps last two tips here one is to remember to place positive associations with reading i was just giving the example of the dense intro slow intro uh with martin chuzzlewit absolutely remember that reading is a positive thing it's not supposed to be something that's painful <laughs> you know if it's difficult that's a different that's that's different than painful and that doesn't mean that you can't have positive associations with a difficult thing um, so, you know, when you pick up the book, feel something positive, feel confident, feel like you're going to read a lot, like you're going to understand the book, even if you're not, it's kind of like that positive conditioning, um, celebrate small wins. I don't do this enough in my reading. If I read a book, I've read three books this year and I just kind of pick up the next one that day. <laughs> So, you know, it's that it, that celebrate the small wins that can really help you become motivated and continue your motivation over time. And finally, this goes with one of the other tips, but I thought I would mention it due to the mention in James Clear's Atomic Habits, which is the first book that we read last year, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is Change Your Systems. James Clear has a very clear philosophy that says it's not your habits fault it's your systems fault if you want to change your habits you have to change your systems and I think that's a really astute commentary on the way that we function day to day um so you know for example remove barriers to your reading 
if you have your book in a drawer and you think about the book you're like oh i have to get up i have to go across the house i gotta open the drawer get the book from the drawer then i gotta find another place in the house and i gotta sit down you know what i mean so there's it sounds banal but it's actually cognitively very stressful sometimes to have all of those barriers all of those steps in between you and reading 20 minutes so I would recommend, for example, I have a book on my bedside table. I actually put it on my bed during most of the day. And then when I go to read at night, I put the book on top of my pillow. So I, it's, you know, it's sort of like, there's no friction. I just literally, I get in bed and I pick up the book, you know? Um, and that's something that I would highly recommend is removing the barriers to your reading. There's several other tips if you would like to read James Clear's Atomic Habits. It was a book that really helped me get through a habitless time <laughs> in my life. I was finishing my first book. I was uh, preparing for my circumnavigation. So, you know, there was, it was a really tough time to build decent habits. So I would highly recommend uh, that book if you're... Uh, if you have a specific goal like wanting to learn to read, um, like building in these systems, he's got tons of other tips other than that to help you out. Alright y'all, thank you so much for uh, the discussion today. I hope that you gathered some insight or reflection from it and I appreciate your time and we will be back very shortly with an episode of On Writing by Stephen King. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.